Here you go. Finish this saying. The way to a man's heart is... Right, yes, we know it's a sexist saying. But if you can find someone who cooks, and we have some fabulous cooks and chefs in this congregation, you might want to just connect yourself to them. Right? We get enamored with things that give us pleasure and joy. We get connected with those things and the promise of those kinds of things. You find someone who can cook. Oh man, I want to be close to that person because I know that I'm going to have this pleasure and this joy. Back years and years ago, a politician had the slogan for their campaign was, you know, a chicken for every pot, right? Now, whenever you say pot, people are thinking about all kinds of different things, but uh, a chicken for every pot. We're talking about providing for people, right? Being provided for is something that we get very connected to very quickly. And if you look at the scripture, feeding and faith have, have, often have this really interesting connection with each other. Because one, we have to eat in order to live, just to have basic biological life. We, we have to have sustenance of some kind. Now, you don't have to ingest solid food as regularly as you do have to ingest water, just so to say, but, but we do have to eat in order to live. And so throughout the scripture, food comes into play all the time, metaphorically or really, in terms of how God interacts with the people and how they respond or don't respond to God. I mean, the whole notion of the promised land was that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, whether it was really flowing with milk and honey, I don't think it was necessarily, but it was supposed to be a fertile land, a land that would provide for the people and that God would give them so that they would be provided for. Food even comes into play in the story of Adam and Eve, right? I mean, it's not about the food, but it is they eat something and that changes the nature of things, or at least the nature of their experience. In the Old Testament passage here, the people are complaining, right? Because they left what, they, what we would call the flesh pots of Egypt where they were slaves and they were worked to the bone, but they always had food. And so the promise was, well, we're going to go to this land of milk and honey where we're, you know, you're gonna, God is going to deliver you. And they get out on the journey and those flesh pots don't just, just appear for them. It's a difficult journey from slavery to the land of freedom and the land of promise. And they complain, right? I mean, who has ever gone to their fridge, opened it up, and it's completely chock-a-block full? We have nothing to eat, right? Well, I don't know what their provisions were along the, you know, the journey in the wilderness at this time, but they're like, wait, you know, did you bring us out here to starve? And so Moses brings us to God and God says, okay, I'm going to provide for them. And depending on the story, you know, the, there would be quail basically covering the ground in the morning so they would have meat. And then there's this wonderful phrase when this white flaky substance would cover the ground in the morning. And, and at first they were like, 
the, the, the Hebrew word is sort of translated man who. Man who? Like, what is it? And that's where we get manna. What is it from heaven? <laughs> and only enough for each day to make bread. But God provided and provided enough. And so this feeding and this faith, this trust in God. And so that story then permeates the Jewish culture about Moses providing for them this bread, even though it's not Moses who provides it. Moses doesn't call it down from the heavens. Moses is the intercessor with God, the Father. And so there is this, you know, it comes because, yes, Moses is the intercessor and the leader, but he doesn't call it down from heaven. And But the Jewish people here and then in this story in John, they're relating it to, well, Moses provided, you know, for us. What are you going to do for us to prove that we ought to even listen to you? Now, just remember, just previous to this, when Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds 5,000 people, or 5,000 people are fed, he leaves because they're like, oh, this is the prophet who is to come. And Jesus is afraid they're going to take him physically and make him king. And he knows that's not the way that he is going to be the savior. So he sneaks away. And when they come and find him again, you know, they, I love this. When did you come here? And, and he doesn't answer the question. That's what I, one of the other things I love about Jesus is not every question needs to be answered. Very true, I tell you, you're looking for him, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the fill of the loaves. I provided something for you in a time of need and you're looking to get fed again. Don't work for the food that perishes. Don't don't let your stomach guide you. Work for the food that endures for eternal life, everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. And I love this. Like He just keeps giving him these clues about who he is and, and what he's bringing to the table in terms of this revelation from God and... And they're like, well, well, what must we do now to perform the works of how, how do we do the works in order to get this sustenance? Isn't that our natural tendency? I mean, we believe that we work in some sort of meritocracy here, that if we just work hard enough, we'll get things. And, and we do that all the time. We have sort of this quid pro quo arrangement with ourselves and with the people we're in relationship with, and, and yes, in our economy and, and all of that. So the world sort of works on this thing of, of I've got to work to get this thing. But that's not the economy of God or the economy of faith. God provides. And Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And they're still like, well, what, who, what are you talking about? Well, they've just been fed, right? They've seen this sign 5,000 people fed, five loaves, two fish, and they're, well, what sign are you going to do, right? We need another, we're hungry again for the something new and shiny and flashy. I mean, how many times, how many new books are being written about the scripture today? Thousands. Because we continue to look for some new revelation to keep us going, to give us some new insight, to open us up again, where the ancient literature is still just as pertinent today as it was 
cultivated and gathered into the canon, how many of us actually stand and stay in that scripture on a regular daily basis seeking to find inspiration there rather than going to tertiary sources looking for somebody else's new revelation for that? I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just, we get enamored with the new thing that's coming along that we think is going to be better. It happens in our churches all the time. Why are there all these new churches popping up? Because people got dissatisfied with what was happening in their old churches and they decided, I can do it better. I can make something new and shinier and flashier and it'll be more faithful, more revelatory, more connected, more this, more that. And we'll just be honest, I mean, some of the churches that were there were not, were not necessarily responding and trying to seek to, to be with people where they were. We can talk about that. But, well, what, what sign are you going to give us? What work are you performing? Again, they just got fed. Like, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. He gave them bread from heaven to eat, meaning Moses. He says, Moses did not give you the bread. Can you not understand this? This is about more than just your basic biological needs here. This is about a way of living that is going to change the way you interact with your basic biological needs and desires. When you believe and you trust in the one whom he has sent, it changes the way that you interact with the people that are around you. It opens you up to a new way of being fed when you sit down at every meal. Because I believe that when we begin to understand the grace that God gives us, and that's where faith begins for me, is it's not with the feeding, but it's with the grace that comes through God's gift to us. One, the gift of just basic life. But two, then as we, as we begin to understand that God gives us everything that we need for human flourishing. And I don't mean Jeff Bezos type flourishing. I mean flourishing in a real way. Whether we have lots of material goods or not a flourishing, a spiritual and relational flourishing that brings life and joy to people around us because we are living with a joy and a life that just cannot be stopped because it comes from a source that never ends. This grace that comes to us, we begin to interact in a different way. The word believe in John is not just some sort of mental assent. You know, it's not just, well, you know, I believe it, I... I, I I confess, you know, the Apostles' Creed and I believe all of that stuff. It's not just this mental assent. Believe is an action word. Like, I, I, I hear this and I feel this grace and I know it in myself and then I begin to do things out of that. The bread of life is this grace that God gives us not because we deserve it or because we, we do the right works of God, but because God loved us first. And he loved us so much first that he was willing, even as we were still broken, even as we were still clamoring for the bread that doesn't satisfy, 
he sent Jesus in the midst of all that. And so let me show you what a life is like that responds to this grace. And it is a life that is poured out for others and is fulfilled in and of itself because it receives the, this bread, this everlasting bread that is the sustenance which we cannot necessarily wrap our minds around, but we can wrap our spirits and our heart around it to live in the world. And it changes us. Because when we realize that we are being fed to overflowing with grace, we then are able to share who we are and who God is. And that begins to feed others. And that feeding develops faith. And so today and this week, as you eat, perhaps consider how it is that you interact with the bread of life. Who is Jesus for you? How is it that you open your heart and your mind to the grace that you've been given? And how is it that that is a conduit into the rest of your life? How are your relationships, the ones that are close to you and the ones that are far away? How is it that you are relating to your material goods? What hold do they have on you? And what is it that you are seeking? Are you seeking the things that don't satisfy? Or are you seeking the one who always satisfies? Amen.